Well, good morning. Glad you guys are, are here today. Uh, it's a great weekend for my family. I uh, have Laura's uh, family right down here taking up almost this whole front row over here. And uh, Laura's not on that front row because she just can't sit with them. She can only handle about 24 hours with them. And then, you know how family is, you know. Uh, oh, she's back. Okay. I'm kidding. Hey, by the way, uh, right there on the front row is Aunt Mary. Would you just, uh, yeah. Some of you uh, have heard of, some of you, I know what you're going to do, right? You're not even focused now on what I'm saying. You're like, I got to meet her after the service, and I got to get that yeast roll recipe. I just have to get that. It just sounds so amazing. That's the lady who makes those, and they are incredible. That's why the anointing is following right there this morning. It's where the Holy Spirit is located, so if you need to move, you can move. Hey, let's get into the Word of God. If you have a Bible, let's go to 1 Kings 17. If you don't have a Bible, we've got them out in the Next Steps room. They're free. Uh, just ask for one, they'll give you one. Or if you have a phone or a mobile device, uh, go to corechurch.com. You can download a Bible right there. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. It's the NLT, so if you're looking for it so it uh, makes sense with you. We'll be in 1 Kings chapter 17. We're continuing our series today called Love Handles. Not uh, these love handles, these love handles right here. We're talking about our, our vision. That we, we talk about this every week. We say this, at the core of who we are is what? Loving God and loving people. We say that every week. Well, that's our vision. That's who we are. We didn't come up with that on our own. God gave us that vision. It comes uh, straight out of what is called the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And we have four core values, and every year around this time, I like to take our church through those so we can see what we're about. So if you're brand new to Core Church, you came at a great time because you're going to find out what Core Church is all about. And uh, during this series, we're looking at a prophet. His name is Elijah, and it's in the Old Testament. This is uh, way before Jesus came on the scene and before he was born and, and lived his life. There was this prophet, his name was Elijah, and he was a prophet over Israel. If you don't know what a prophet is, you're new to church, it's like a, a preacher of that day. God would give a message to the prophet, and then he would take it to the people. Honestly, they didn't like to see him coming, because usually when he came, it wasn't a real positive word. They were usually in sin, they were doing something they weren't supposed to be doing. So when the prophet would come, they weren't real big fans of his. So here's Elijah, and we're going to pick the story up. Elijah, in 1 Kings chapter 17... And if you've been here for this series, you know that we've been talking about this drought, this famine in the land. God said it won't rain, and the reason he said it won't rain for three and a half years is because the people of Israel had sinned against God in a bad way. You can go back and read the backstory on that, but they had really turned their hearts against God, and he said it's not going to rain for three and a half years. But God took care of Elijah. He brought this raven and had a raven bring him meat and feed him. And he was by this, this river and so he had plenty of water. But then the water dried up and the raven stopped bringing the food and Elijah was getting hungry. And God said, hey, I'm going to take care of you. And we pick up that story in chapter 17 and verse 8. Let's read this together. Then the Lord said this to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath, and as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, hey, would you please bring me a little uh, water in a cup? And she was going to get it. He called her, hey, bring a bite of bread too. But She said, hey, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house, and 
Honestly, I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug, and I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and, and my son and I are going to die. But Elijah said this to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first, and then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for visiting with us today, for your presence, which we know is here, and we are grateful for it. And in this moment that we have to open your word, speak to us. Church, I want to ask you to just pray for those around you. You might know them, you might not. You don't have to do that out loud. But just say, man, God, just speak to this person next to me. Speak to this person in front of me. And if you know their name, just kind of think of who they are. And just, God, speak to them. And ask God to speak to your heart as well. God, open my heart to you. Remove all distractions. And then pray for me as your pastor. Pray that I'm going to be faithful to what the Holy Spirit wants all of us to hear today. And if you're ready to hear from the Lord, in Jesus' name, give me a big amen. Well, at one time, there was a chair in this church that had your name on it. You, you didn't know it at the time, but it had your name on it. See, somebody um, invited you. Maybe it was somebody in your neighborhood or somebody in your workplace or uh, school. I don't, I don't know who it was, but, but somebody kept not necessarily inviting you, we might use the word pestering you, talking to you over and over about this great church. Man, they just got really good music and a cool kids ministry, and man, their pastor is off the chain, which is true. All right, thank you. And they kept talking to you, and you're like, oh man, I didn't, and finally they just, you just gave in. You know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go to get them off my back. I'll just go, we'll put in our time, and, and, and then, then we'll be done with it. And you might have come uh, by yourself. Maybe you, you came with someone. Or, or, or some of you, some of you, you, you brought some, some little ones with you, and you brought them. Do you remember that morning that you got up to go to church, and you thought, now, they told me it's a casual church, but I ain't buying that because I've seen the movies, I've seen the TV shows. I remember when I went to church when I was six years old, and you're hunting the closet trying to find something nice, and you're like, I do not have anything nice enough to go to church. And you changed your outfit, ladies, like three or four times, and, and finally you get everybody together, and you got in the car, and you drove into the parking lot. And Do you remember that moment when you're finding the parking space, and you're thinking to yourself, there's still time to go to IHOP, honey. There's still time, but you... You got up the courage and you got out of the car and came to those front doors and you just were like, I have no idea what lies beyond those doors. In fact, I bet when I walk through those doors, there's going to be a sin detector that's going to go off. Beep, 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 beep. I knew it. We have a sinner. We have a sinner. We have a sinner. You know, I mean, you, just, you had that fear, didn't you? Like you just knew. I'm going to walk in. Everybody's going to know it. Everybody's going to know it. But you walked in and, and it was different. And people were really nice to you. And, and one of the things that was cool is they had free coffee. I could go here and get free coffee, and I don't have to go to Starbucks and pay my five bucks. No, I could go here and get it free. 
Then you, you went back and you checked your kids in and, and you took them back to that room. And then and so for some of you, the way you dropped your kids off was, was just like, hey, good luck. And you're like, woohoo, free child care. Amen. This is the, the Lord is in this place. <laughs> Others of you, though, do you remember the apprehension that you had when you dropped your kids off? And you're like, okay, I don't know you people, but <laughs> I'm going to trust you with my children. And then you came into the auditorium. Do you remember that? And you looked around. You're like, um, is there assigned seating? Um, yes, there is, actually. Uh, just look around. Everybody sits in the same seat every single week. Why do you people do that? Every week you're in the same spot. Somebody ever do that? Somebody walks in. You're like, they're in my seat. You going you to scoot? Well, I'll just sit over there, and I bet the Lord, I don't know how the Lord's going to talk to me today. Oh, you all think that, too. I know y'all. So. But you came in, you got your seat, and then, the, and then the service started, and the music, you were like, whoa, wait a second, what is this? This is not what I thought church would be. And, and then they started singing some more, and you saw people raising their hands, asking questions in the middle of the song, and you're like, why are they asking questions? That's the rudest thing you could ever do. <laughs> and then the, the preacher gets up, and, and he has a, a nice message, and you're like, wow, I... I Wow, that's not, that guy, he wears tennis shoes on stage. Can he do that? I thought he was a preacher. He must not be ordained. I mean, you know, just, he, does, he has no tie. I don't think I can be fed from him. And you just, you, it's just nothing like you expected. And, and you left, and then you thought, well, maybe, maybe we'll go back. Maybe we'll try it again. And so a couple weeks went by, and you came back, and you tried it again. You're like, oh, I like this. And then you, you, you kept coming back. You remember that, where you just kind of kept, you kept coming back, and you kept coming back, and then... There was that one Sunday where the pastor said, hey, if you're here today, man, and you, you've never made a commitment to follow Jesus, and you recognize the sin in your life, and, and you want a fresh start, and you want Jesus, and she just put up your hand, and man, just with that, that trembling hand, it was, was kind of like this, like, that's me. And then in that moment when you said that prayer and you began to follow Jesus, it's all of a sudden everything. Remember that moment? Every, every, everything changed. Do you remember that moment when you, when you made that commitment to follow? Everything changed. And, and then a few weeks went by and, and you said, I'm, I'm getting baptized. I'm going public with my baptism. And then you came back to this pool back here and you came down. You got up out of the water. And do you remember when you came up out of the water and everybody's cheering for you? Do you remember that? Everybody in the whole place is cheering for you. You're like, man, I love this church. I love this church. And you were like, I'm in. And so you got involved in a core team and started coming on Wednesdays to core community. You've gotten in a group and you have a, a good circle of friends. And you, man, this is my church. I love my church. Turn to somebody next to you and say, man, I love my church. I love my church. Maybe for you today, maybe you're new and, and you're just beginning this journey, and that's your story. Some of you are here today, and you are already a follower of Jesus, and you were invited, and you came to this church, but you saw what was going on in this church, and you're like, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that. You're here today, you're in this seat, because somebody got up out of theirs, and they introduced you to Jesus. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. And right now, there's, there's somebody, there's, there's, there's a family that's counting on you. 
They're counting on me. That I'm going to get out of my chair and I'm going to go to them and I'm, I'm going to tell them about Jesus. That's one of our core values here. Last week we talked about the core value of Christ and this week I want to talk to you about this core value of commitment. We exist to lead people into commitment. We want to see people far from God find life in Christ. That, that's what we're all about here at Core Church. And that's what I, I want to talk to you about this morning for the few minutes that we have together. And I want to give you uh, just some love handles, a, a little handle that you can grab a hold of and something that you can take into the world. Because here's what I, I, I love about this church is this is not something I have to coax you into. This is not something I have to beg you to do. This is something you people do. In, in just the, the three years that we have been together, okay, not our whole 15-year history, but just the last three years alone, we have seen 79 people make a first-time commitment to Jesus and 110 get baptized. Man, that's amazing. God is at work, and he's calling us to get out of our chair. So here's the love handle I want to give you today, and we're going to put it on the screen so you have this, and I'd like for you to, to write this down. I can't lead people into commitment until I commit to go. I can't lead people into commitment until I commit to go. Let's say that together. I can't lead people into commitment. All right. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 17. We see the story of this widow, and she's dying. There's a famine and a, and a drought, and God tells Elijah to go. He says, go, I want, you to, I want you to help her. Look at verse 8. Then the Lord said this to Elijah. He said, what? He said, what? Go. Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. God, this is amazing. God's looking out for Elijah. I like this. God, God says, you, you need to be fed, Elijah, and I'm going to take care of you. And he, he sends him, in a, which is, we've got to admit, is really strange. Like, why not to the king? Why not to, why not to the McDonald's there in Jerusalem? I mean, why, why, to, the, why to the widow? Do you, do you ever wonder why you live where you live? You ever wonder why you live in the city you live in and the neighborhood you live in? You ever wonder why you work where you work? Students, you ever wonder why you, you go to the school that you go to? See, just like Elijah, God is looking out for you. Every good thing that we have in our lives passes through the hand of God. He's looking out for you. If you're a follower of Jesus, he cares about you, okay? He wants to meet your needs. He wants to help you. That's why you live where you live. That's why you have a roof over your head. That's why you're able to go to schools you go to. That's why you have a job and, and you have income coming in. Is because God cares about you. But what I wonder is, could, could God possibly have placed you in that job or in that neighborhood or in that school or maybe even on that ball team or in that band or in that dance class for, for something greater? Could it, could it be for something more? Because when God told Elijah to go, this is about more than just providing for his needs. God, God sent him to the widow so that he would be provided for, but he also sent him to the widow to save 
the widow. That was really the ultimate purpose was because this widow needed a miracle and Elijah was going to be sent to save her. Listen, this is what we need to see here. There are widows all around us. There are people whose lives are void of Jesus. They don't know Jesus. Now, let me give you, just real quick here, a wake-up call, okay? This is a wake-up call for those of us that are in the church. And I need you to really focus in on this. Because whenever we talk about, there are people in our city and in our neighborhoods, and they don't know the name of Jesus. In Tulsa, Oklahoma, we kind of tune that out because we're like, yeah, come on. I don't know about that. Just two weeks ago, I was talking to a member of our church, and they told me how they had brought this little girl with them to church. She had never been to church her entire life. She didn't know what church was. She'd never heard the name of Jesus. She didn't know anything about it or what to expect. She walked through the doors. She heard about the name of Jesus for the very first time back in Core Kids. They took her home, they were eating, and they decided they were going to say a prayer like many of us do. Just we say that prayer right before the meal, and this girl had no clue what they were doing. No clue. What is this? And they had to explain prayer to this six-year-old. Okay, this is not in some remote jungle somewhere. This is in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Jesus Disneyland, people. I mean, we, we've got a church on every corner, a mega church within a stone's throw everywhere, and we've got people that don't know the name of Jesus. That should rock us. That should cause us to pause. Let me, let me give you a number. I've given you this number before, but maybe this will help it to sink in. And you're gonna, you're just, some of you are going to hear this for the first time. You're going to go, there's no way that's true. And I know that you're going to think that because our staff has thought that when I've said this number. My own wife said this number can't be true. Even our advisory board and leaders were like, no, this can't be true. But here's the true number. This morning, across the Tulsa metro area, are you ready for this? 600,000 people got up and didn't go to church. 600,000 said, I, I don't know. Many of them saying, I don't even know who Jesus is. And many of them who've turned their back on the church, maybe they went at one time, but they don't go anymore. And that's why God is calling you and I to go. See, God told Elijah to go, but then Jesus, he gave us that command. You know that. It's called, it's called the Great Commission. And Mark talks about this. Mark in 16, 15. Mark 16, 15. That you may know this if you've been in church for a while. Jesus is talking, and he says this right before he leaves the planet. He says what? Okay, come on now, people. He says what? He says go. Just like he told Elijah. Go into all the world. And preach the good news to everyone. Turn to somebody next to you and say, you need to go. Some of you have been wanting to say that for a long time, haven't you? <laughs> you said it the wrong way. You're supposed to say it like, you need to go. Like you're commissioning them like, you need to go. Right now. Just go sit somewhere else in this auditorium. I've had enough of you. But God, God's calling us. He's calling us to go. He says, I, I, I want you to, to go into the workplace. See, you're not going to get up tomorrow and go to that job just to make money and a living and have a great career. You're going tomorrow to work as a missionary. You have that job because God put you there. 
You didn't get that job. You didn't find that. God put you there. He put you there because there's a widow there, because there's people that don't know his name. And he says, I need you there. And it's time for us as the church, we got to wake up to that, become aware of that, and say, it's more than just the platform on a Sunday morning. It's got to be all of us, every day, going out into the fields and bringing in the harvest. Oh, that's good preaching right there. Can I get an amen? You got to go into your workplace tomorrow. You got to go into your neighborhood. You're going to leave here today. Some of you go out and eat, and you're going to go home. When you drive into your neighborhood, guess what? You're in that neighborhood. You're a missionary. You're a missionary to that neighborhood. I don't live in that neighborhood. People around you don't live in that neighborhood. You live there. Why? Because God said, I need you in that home because those people right there, 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 and there need Jesus. If you're not praying for your neighbors, you need to start praying for your neighbors. You're not praying for the people at work. You need to start praying for the people at work. God, use me. Put me. Listen, some of you are going to go to school this week. You're going back to school. Some of you have already gone back to school. Guess what? And you're like, what is my schedule? Who, I better have some friends. I better get second lunch because that's the one all my friends are in. And you get first lunch, and you're just like, oh. Or you get that class, I can't believe who I've got for chemistry. Oh, it just seems to me makes me sick. Guess what? God gave you that schedule. He put you there because you have the light of Jesus. And he says, I need you in that classroom. I need you sitting next to that other student. I need you around that teacher because they don't know my name. It's bigger the picture here is so much bigger. And that's why at, at Core Church, we are just resolute in this call to go and take the good news to everyone. See, I can't lead people into commitment until I commit to go. So that's what Elijah does. He goes and he, he finds the widow and he discovers that she's in real trouble. Look at verse 12. This is what she said, the widow talking. She said, I swear by the Lord your God, I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just going to gather a few sticks, cook this last meal, and then my son and I will, will die. I don't know what your favorite TV show is. I, I'm not a big TV watcher, but I have a few that I like. And one of my favorite TV shows is Parenthood. Anybody seen Parenthood? Anybody know that show, Parenthood? Okay, some of you know, some of you don't know what that is. If you've never watched that show before, uh, it's about Parenthood. Uh, that's what it is. <laughs> kind of, title kind of gives it away. Uh, but it, it, what they do is they follow all these brothers and sisters and, and their families. And it is, I'm just warning you, it is high drama, okay? I mean, it is, and I'm not a drama guy, but it, it just sucks you in when you start watching this. And uh, we watch it on Netflix, so I end up binge watching, you know, because you're like, hey, 14 seconds, we get another one. Come on, the ticket, look at it, it's going around. I can't shut it up. Oh, we're stuck. We've got to watch another one. Okay, it's 2 in the morning. I'm going to watch another one. Here we go. And so you're binge watching these shows. And I, so we, Laura and I, we love watching this, this show, but I can only handle one episode at a time. I swear to you, I can watch one episode, then i got to wait like three weeks because it's, it's so high drama, it stresses me out, and I like literally get depressed watching the show because it's like too much like my own life. I'm like, oh, man, that's just, I'm having that same problem. I'm going to kill that kid is what I'm going to do. I'd kill it. You should kill that kid. That's what you ought to do right now. Jesus will forgive you, trust me. But I'm, so I'm watching, uh, Laura and I are watching, you ever get sucked into a TV show? Like you lose all sense of reality. 
So Laura and I are watching this show the other day, and one of the couples, they're standing in the kitchen, and they're arguing, and they're just really going at it, and then they're starting to say really unkind things to each other, and, and my, my, my temperature's going up, my heart's beating faster, and I, I'm leaning forward in my chair, and I'm just thinking, stop! You need to, no, 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 you're killing your, your marriage, stop! Stop arguing, you, no, you need to, oh, man! And I look over at Laura, I'm not making this up, I look over at Laura, she's got tears running down her face, she's like, oh my God, they're ruining their life! I know, can you believe me? Just join my hand, let's intercede for them right now, honey. God, we just pray for this make-believe couple right now that they're just going to be able, hopefully, to make up by episode 14. That's what we're praying, Lord. Amen. All right, now we got to stay up. we got to watch four more episodes to make sure they make it through this. <laughs> yeah, you ever wonder why you get so caught up in a TV show when all, all around us people are experiencing that, but we're, we're kind of numb to it? I mean, this, this, these shows, this show that I'm watching, it's not, it's not real. And, and all around us are real people in real families that are experiencing real trouble. So why is it that, that I get so caught up in a TV show, but I, then I'm numb to, to the people around me? I think one of the reasons that happens is simply because in a TV show, they let you in. Like you can see what's going on. You know what I mean? You can see what's going on, but all around us, people don't let you in. Like they put on a, a, a persona and a and they, they kind of make you think it's, it's one way around them. They don't really let you into what they're experiencing in their life. But the truth is, is just like this widow, people all around us are just gathering sticks. That's all they're doing. They're gathering some toys. They've gathered a little career and a house and some kids and some stuff and some things. And they just, they're just going around. They're just, they're just gathering sticks. They don't have a single piece of bread in the house, just like that widow. Their house is empty of the presence of God. God is not in their life. Their lives are void of Jesus. And what you don't see and what I don't see is they are just about to give up on their marriage. Oh, they looked apart at the ball field. They look all happy, but inside they're dying. You're going you're gonna to go to work tomorrow. You're going to see some people that look like they're all high on their career, and they're just, they're career bound, and man, they got it, and they're, but inside, they're dying because this career and this thing they're doing, it's just, it's so unfulfilling, it's so empty. You're going to go to school this week, people are going to dress the part, they're going to look the part. Inside, they're, they're dying, their soul is empty, they're, they're void of Jesus, there's no bread of life feeding them. And we have the bread of life. Jesus talks about the bread of life in John 6, 35. These are the words of Jesus. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Listen, turn, turn person next to you and just say, listen, I need Jesus in a bad way. Just turn to somebody and say, I need Jesus in a bad way. And turn back to that other person and say, yeah, you need Jesus in a bad way. Yeah, this is therapy, isn't it? You've just been wanting to tell that person for a long time. But we, we, all, we all need Jesus. We need something to feed our soul. We need the bread of life. We've got to have him in our lives. 
Laura and I have been married for almost 31 years. Here in a couple of weeks, we're going to celebrate 31 years together. Yeah, excited about that. She's my best friend, love of my life. Couldn't imagine a day without her. She's an incredible cook. I've told you that many occasions. And one of my favorite things, and one of people say, man, what's made your marriage successful? I'm like, because she makes me fat. She feeds me. That's what makes our marriage successful. And so, I mean, I, there's times I'll come home. Some of you men know what I'm talking about. You, I'll come home. I just, this is one of my favorite memories. I walk in the house, and then just that aroma filling the house, it just hits me. It doesn't matter how bad my day is. I walk in, I'm, ooh, I'm smelling Aunt Mary's yeast rolls. I mean, I'm just like... And I come around the corner, and I look into the kitchen. There's pots and pans everywhere, and there's something boiling on the, on the stove, and there's flour out everywhere. And, and she turns and looks at me. I'm like, baby, you ain't ever looked more beautiful than you look in this moment. This is going to be amazing. And I come over, I'm like, whoo hoo hoo Oh, this is amazing. She says, I, 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 I. Don't touch that. Well, I can, I can wait. Well, that's not for you. Whoa. What do you mean that's not for me? Well, you know the Smiths, and you know that, you know Betty, she had surgery, and, and so I have baked this for her to care for them. Well, too bad for Betty, but come on. I'm like, we'll pray for her. Can we just pray for her? Does she have to have all the bread? You didn't just like cook a little extra? No, I didn't. I'm like, well, what are we having tonight? Sandwiches. So I, we've been married almost 31 years. I, I put up with that for 30 years. And then about six months ago, I'm like, I'm putting my foot down. She's cooking for one of y'all. I don't know who you all are, but she's cooking for one of you that's had surgery or something. <laughs> Listen, I ain't going to visit you in the hospital and you ain't getting my yeast rolls. So, uh, so I, I, I'm like, all right. I got to talk to her. So I come in, and she tells me now there's not. And I said, okay, listen, this is how this is going to roll, okay? <laughs> I didn't talk like that. I was just making that up. <laughs> you don't make it 31 years if you talk like that to your wife. It just sounds good up here. <laughs> I was more like, hey, baby, honey. That's really what it was more like. But for the sake of this message, can I do it that way? <laughs> so I guess this is how this is going to roll. Listen, I don't mind you baking for other people, but you need to bake a little extra for us. Because, I mean, I need to be fed like that, baby. I need to be fed like that. And she said, oh, and she gave me that look. And I was like, oh, I just did not do that. Why did I do that? I know better than to do that. And I stepped back, and she just like, really? Really? Like, like I haven't taken care of you for 30 years? Like, you you just been starving. You just, you, you, and I'm like, you're right, baby. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You just do whatever you need to do. This is so many times the danger that creeps into the church. <laughs> Pastor, we need to talk. Listen, I appreciate, Pastor, that, that I appreciate that you have this love for people that are far from God. And I, I appreciate that our church and everything wants to focus on those people that don't know Jesus. But what about me? What, what about my needs? You're always talking about those people that don't know Jesus, and we're gonna, we'll pray for them. Can't we just pray for them? Because what about me? I mean, my family, I, we've got our needs, and, and are you not going to do anything for us? And this is what I would say to you if that is your mindset. What did Jesus say? He said, listen, when you have had the bread of life, you will never be hungry again. 
He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of me. There will be plenty of bread for everyone. But the point is, is that the bread of life was created to be shared, to be given away, not just for us to sit and consume. Think about this. If, if Elijah didn't go to the widow, she would have died. She'd have cooked that last meal, and she'd have been done. But what we forget is in this story, Elijah would have suffered the same fate. He would have starved, and he would have died. If you were to go back and you were to look at verse 5, and we won't put that on the screen, but in verse 5, he's, he's sitting by the brook, and God's providing for him and giving him food from the, the ravens, and then all of a sudden, the brook dries up. And all of a sudden, the the ravens stop coming. And if he would have stayed there, he would have starved. He would have starved. So many Christians like to sit by the brook and get fed by the ravens. Ah. That just feels good, doesn't it, just to kind of sit and to soak? I mean, it's like you come into your chair and you're like, it's like a little Christian pedicure. Go ahead. Give me some Jesus, so yeah. Give me some Jesus, so yeah. I mean, come on. I just got to give me another song. I don't like that song. I'm not raising my hand for that song. I don't like that one. Oh, there's oceans. There's oceans. There's oceans. Yeah, I just, and then, and then what happens is like, oh, yeah, I just, oh, I just have to, I can't serve in the kids, and I can't help other areas because I need to be in service. I need to be fed. I need, I need to be fed. And, you know, I just got to get myself in a Bible study. I just, we need more Bible studies. We need more and more Bible studies. Now, let me tell you something. Ain't nothing wrong with worship music. We got to come when we got to worship. Certainly ain't nothing wrong with my preaching. We all know that that's just out of the park. <laughs> ain't nothing wrong with being a group. We're telling everybody to get in a core group right now. But, it, but if that's all you're doing... Your soul is going to starve because the bread of life was meant to be shared. And when you just sit and you just soak, slowly the church and the cross and Christ become all about you and solely about you and you become self-consumed. Our soul just starves to death because when we dam it up, it dries up. That's what happens. When you dam it up, it dries up. That's what happens. And God fed Elijah through the widow. That's how he chose to feed him, through the widow. And you and I are fed the same way, by sharing the bread of life. See, I can't lead people into commitment until I commit to go. So I tell you, I think we've made going too complicated, to be honest with you, in the church. I think we made it too complicated, too hard. We have a hundred different excuses of why we don't do it. And at Core Church, we try to keep it simple. I want to give you three things, and then we're going to close. And I think these three things are just some handles that I want to give you that I think will help you. I think these are going to help you, okay? I want you to write down three words, because this is what our evangelism and our outreach strategy is here at Core Church. It's three words. First one is intercede. Second word is invest. And the third is invite. Intercede, invest, and invite. And when we talk about intercede, in in verse 9, God told Elijah where to go and who to go to. 
He told him, and guess what? You may be saying, Brad, I, I don't know anybody far from God. I don't know what to say to him. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help him. I'm not sure what to do. You begin with prayer. If you begin with anything other than prayer, you will fail miserably. God has a person, he has a place that he wants you, a mission field for you, but if you want to know what that is, you got to ask him, God, who is it you want me to reach? That's why we pray for people that are far from God. When you came in this morning, hopefully you got one of these cards, this uh, white card right here. If you got a program, take this out. I want you to take this out right now because we're going to do an exercise together. And if you didn't get one of these cards, raise your hand. We want everybody to have one, okay? If you didn't get one of these cards, raise your hand. Everybody needs one of these this morning. This is, if you've been around Core Church for any amount of time, you know that we like to pray for people that are far from God. You can't save them. Only God can do that. You have no ability to save anyone. Only God can save them, and that's why we have to begin with prayer. So here's what I want to ask you to do right now. I want you to think, man, Brad, who do, who do, I, who do you think God, I mean, I, I'm not sure who God's leading me to. Here's how you know who God's leading you to. Who are you thinking about right now? What face is coming to mind at work, in the neighborhood, in the ball team? You think the enemy, you think the devil put that there? Hey, no way. God Almighty just spoke to you. If you've never had God speak to you before, guess what? Congratulations, he just spoke to you. He put a face in your mind and he said, this is who I want you to reach. What I'd like for you to do, I want you to write these names down because we're going to do something with these here in just a moment. I want you to write down, it can be up to six names, it can be more than that. Some people write down more names than that. You may have only one name and that's fine. You might have two, you might have three. I want you to write those names down on this card. Here's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to get out your phone. Okay, so everybody get out your phone. I want you to take a picture of this card because here in a moment you're not going to have it, okay? So I want you to take out your camera, phone, your phone, and take your camera out. I want you to take a picture of that card, okay? Take a picture of it. And then what I want you to do is I want you to set that as your lock screen. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you first pop your phone open, it has that picture that you can have right there. I want you to set that as your lock screen for the next 30 days. See, our anniversary service is coming up, or our anniversary month, I should say, is coming up for the month of September. We have about two or three weeks, I think, before that, we begin that. I want you to set this as your lock screen between now and the end of our anniversary series. And every time you open up your phone, you're going to see those names. Every time. And every time you see those names, I want you to pray for those people. Intercede for those people. That God would use you in their lives. The second thing on here is invest. In verse 13 and 14, we see that Elijah helped the widow. He said this to her, don't be afraid. God's going to take care of you. He listened and he responded. He saw that she had a need and he helped her. To invest in someone's life is simply to care, to listen. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. You intercede and you pray and then you listen for the pain. It's as easy as that. You go to school, you go to work, you go get on that ball field go to the practice, go to the band thing, whatever it is. Get into the neighborhood, you pray, you listen for the pain. And God, what do you want me to do to help them? How can I help this person? Last one is to invite. 
God told Elijah to go. We gotta go. We've gotta go. You came in this morning on your seat is a what looks like a ticket. I want everybody to grab a hold of that. See, there's a, there's a family that's waiting on this. Somewhere this morning, somebody woke up in your neighborhood, your workplace, your school. And they didn't go to church today. And they need Jesus. And they're waiting on you to simply extend that invite. Here's how the invite works. Here's how I would encourage you to do it. You can invite people any way you want. A good way to do that would be like this. When somebody tells you about their pain, the very next words out of your mouth should be this. You should come to church with me this Sunday. When somebody says what their pain is, your next comment should be, you should come to church with me this Sunday. Let's practice this. Turn the person next to you and say, you should come to church with me this Sunday. That's it. And then give them this card. The whole month of September, we're going to be doing this series. We're going to have a lot of fun things that we're going to do. Some great songs the band's going to be doing. It's our annual series that we do, and it's going to be a great series, but this is really about reaching people who are far from God. I'd like for you to bow your heads. I want you to look at that card, those names. Right now, just begin to lift them up to God. God, help me to know how to reach these people. I don't know how I'm going to do it, God, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to look to you. Would you help me, God? Would you help me to reach these people? Maybe for you, you'd acknowledge before God, I've not been reaching out to people. God, I've not even been thinking about lost people. I've only been thinking about myself. God wants to kill that selfishness within you. He wants to fill you with this Holy Spirit. Right now, if you'll just cry out to him and say, God, forgive me for being self-centered. God, forgive me for thinking about only my needs and only my family. But God, turn my heart towards yours. Forgive me for that. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Today, I fully surrender to you. I give that to you, God. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. I want to invite you today to make that today your day, your day to get right with God. Whether you've never had a relationship with Him before, or maybe you've been away from God for a long time and you realize, man, I need to come back to Him. I need to recommit my life to Him. Make this your prayer. God, I ask you to forgive me. Thank you, God, for a church like this that proclaims your good news that I can hear this good news and know that you'll take my sin. You will forgive me. You will make me into a new person. And I ask you to do that today. Forgive me. I believe in your son. I don't understand everything about this walk of following you, but today, this day, I choose to put my faith in you and to follow you. With every head bowed, I just want to know who you are. I want to embarrass you or call you out make you come up here, but I want to know who you are. If today you, you made that your prayer, you prayed that prayer for the first time to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or maybe you recommitted your life to Jesus today, would you just slip up your hand so I know who you are? Anybody like that today? Thank you. In the front over here. Anybody else? I made a commitment to follow Jesus today over here on the side. Anyone else? Today I made that commitment. God, thank you for these who've made these commitments to follow you and give you glory and honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let's give God a big hand clap for those who've committed their lives to Jesus today. Man.
always good.